This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I'm going where it says I'm going. The grass may wither, the flower may fade, heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. I'm standing on the living word of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you will open your Bible to Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, the Philippian epistle. I heard a guy get excited one time and he said he was preaching from Filipinos. But uh, he, just, he just got a little tongue-tied. He didn't know. But from the Philippian epistle, the third chapter and the 20th verse, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And the Philippian letter is uh, some kind of difficult for people to find. It's stuck down there with Colossians and Ephesians. But um, Philippi was a very important uh, colony in the Roman Empire. And great church was established there by Paul. And he wrote, well, we don't know how many letters that he wrote, but we know we have this one. And uh, the Philippian letter, the third chapter and the 20th verse. Third chapter and the 20th verse of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. He writes these words, but our citizenship is in heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they, so that they will be like his glorious body. That is a, that's a great promise. But I want to I focus in on this phrase because I think it's important for our message today. But our citizenship is in heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven. What I want to talk about today is how should black Americans view America? How should black Americans <clears throat> view America? America. This week, the nation will celebrate the 242nd year since the 13 colonies of Great Britain on the Atlantic seaboard of North America rebelled against and declared their independence from its mother country. This week, matter of fact, on Wednesday, the nation will celebrate the 242nd year since the 13 colonies of Great Britain, located on the Atlantic seaboard of North America, rebelled against and declared their independence from its mother country. And we call this celebration variously Independence Day, uh, the 4th of July, or just colloquially, the 4th. It's a festive day of outdoor grilling and cold beverages patriotic parades, and fireworks. 
both amateur and professional. But more than that, it should be a time for sober reflection on the meaning of the American experiment in representative government. The founders of this nation were among the most brilliant political theorists of their time. And they were also the product of specific cultural, economic, and political attitudes and agendas. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, who authored the Declaration of Independence, affirmed that, that their belief that all men were created equal. However, uh, this equality did not include the native population, women, and especially not Africans that were stolen and enslaved in the colonies. As the descendants of these enslaved Africans and those who still suffer the toxic effects of that black holocaust, the question is raised, how should we view America? In his famous oration on the 4th of July, Frederick Douglass declared that the 4th of July was the white man's holiday that has nothing to do with the Negro. Langston Hughes uh, said it poetically this way, America was never America to me. What we desperately need to do is to discern the tension between the ideal of America and the reality of America. What we need above everything else is understanding. The, 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 the writer of Proverbs said, in all you're getting, get an understanding. In 1 Chronicles 12, 32, the tribe of Issachar was lauded as persons who, and this is the quote from 1 Chronicles 12, 32, they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We have a problem because too often we've been sadly miseducated and undereducated. And our people have been destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And the question that we have to ask ourselves today, uh, what are we going to be? Are we going to be ostriches? An ostrich is a bird that cannot fly and buries its head in the sand. Are we going to be eagles who have been gifted with piercing vision that can see an oncoming storm and not only see it, but they have the ability to fly above it? The inescapable issue of American history is race. This nation was built on the foundation of compromises made to support and maintain African slavery. Uh, the three-fifth compromise, uh, where African slaves were counted as three-fifths of a man. The Second Amendment, we hear a lot of talk about the Second Amendment in the media about the right to bear arms, but the fact it was an amendment that was put there to support the ability of slave owners to organize themselves militarily in case of slave revolts. America is structured politically, economically, and socially for the purpose of supporting white supremacy. Now, I want to back off before some people get nervous. Uh, to simply say white people in general would be an imprecise catch-all. That is not fair. Uh, but, but I have to be honest, and we must be historically accurate. When we speak of white people, we speak of the white power structure. 
that maintains white supremacy at any cost and has made white and human synonymous. See, there's always been a tension between being black and Christian, between our race and our faith. White Anglo-Saxon Protestantism has institutionally supported white supremacy and the racism that undergirds it. The Christian faith of black people has always been about resistance to oppression, about our ability to do what Israel could not do to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Even our spirituals, even our sorrow songs had coded liberation messages. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. That was about the Underground Railroad and escape to the north. Heaven, heaven. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. That was about wicked, quote unquote, Christian slave masters. And then finally, and before I'll be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. That's about freedom. Now, if, if one pays any attention today, and some of you all do and some of you don't, but if you listen to the media, you would think that the only Christians that matter and the only Christians that are speaking are conservative white evangelicals, the religious right. And, and here's the problem. They claim that their political participation, the reason that they moved out of the sanctuary into the political arena because it was based on morality, righteousness, and godly principles. All the way from Jerry Falwell and the founding of the moral majority, they said that we've got to get out here and vote because there are Christian principles at stake here. We want candidates of morality and righteousness, but with their unwavering support of the 45th president of the United States, who is none of those things, he is neither moral, righteous, or committed to godly principles, they have revealed what some of us always knew to be true. Their agenda is white supremacy. You can see it in their attacks on blacks, on persons from the LGBT community, Muslims, and immigrants of color, this has displayed the evil underside of a perverted gospel. I am, and I guess one of the reasons I'm insulted, I am an evangelical Christian. And when they talk about evangelicals, they don't include us, but we are evangelical Christians because I believe and I hope you believe in the born again experience. I believe what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. I believe in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe in the great commission that Jesus gave in Matthew 28. That's about evangelism. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Teach them to observe all things. And I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Well, there are white evangelicals who believe in John 3 and who believe in Matthew 28. But white evangelicals have deliberately chosen to ignore Jesus' words in Luke 4. And in Luke 4, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captives, to give sight to the blind. And that's where we part company. We can agree on John 3. We can agree on Matthew 28. But they totally ignore Luke 4.
the question that I raised in the beginning is the question of the hour, how should black Americans view America? Uh, we should see America not through some patriotic rose-colored glasses, but there are three ways that we as black African Americans, Negroes, whatever we choose to call ourselves at this time, as, as Christians should view this country. The first thing we should view it is through the lens of our history. Through American history, the indisputable fact is that we as African Americans in America have been defined as less than fully human. First as three-fifths of a man, embedded in the founding legal document of this nation, the Constitution. And it took a bloody civil war and the deaths of over 750,000 men and women to change that. The Dred Scott decision of 1857, which says that there were no rights that a Negro had that a white man was obliged to consider. This was a Supreme Court decision of 1857. False science. Science was used to try to prove that, that Africans were biologically different and mentally inferior that there was something different about our bodies, that, that, that our bodies were different than white people, that, uh, and, and all of this can be seen in the whole warped and perverted view of black sexuality that white people have, that there's something about us that is, that is, that is, that is primitive and jungleistic, and, 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 we're, and we're, our bodies were designed for great feats of physical strength, you know, and ability. That's why we're great athletes, but when it comes to, to being great intellects and having great ability, but that's not true. Given the same opportunities, not only do we achieve, we excel, but they've tried to prove, they tried to use false science to prove that we were biologically different and mentally inferior. There would be no Washington DC laid out the way it is had it not been for Benjamin Banneker. That when, when Monsieur Le Fontaine who had designed uh, Washington, D.C., uh, uh, got mad because the Continental Congress did not pay him, and he took his plans with him. Uh, Benjamin Banneker had a photographic memory, and he remembered all the plans and wrote them out. And, and he invented the first clock in America, the first, first almanac in America. And Thomas Jefferson was so amazed that there could be a Negro of this kind of intellect uh, uh, the white power structure, please forgive me if I slip into saying white people, but I'm not talking about your friend. Uh, I'm not talking about your friend. I'm just saying I know you have a white friend and you're willing to defend them. Not sure whether they'd be willing to defend you, but you will defend them. They've made blood an issue. The anti-miscegenation laws uh, of the South said if you had one drop of Negro blood, you were a Negro, and therefore assigned to a permanent second status in American society. Skin color, uh, because of uh, uh, black women were not in a position to give consent. Y'all not hearing me. No, 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 ain't nobody talked about no Me Too movement for all the black women uh, that have been, y'all not hearing me, that existed for the sexual satisfaction of their masters. That's why many of us are the skin color we are. 
and, and that skin color thing has invaded the peace of our own community. Oh, y'all try to sit there and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. That distinctions were made even in our community based on skin color. Come on, you know, you know, you know, yellow is mellow. Brown stick around. Black get back. Hadn't been for the black consciousness movement which switched that thing around. Yellow brothers had it wrong for a long time. We were in trouble. It was the black of the berry. Y'all not with me. The sweet of the juice. Black is beautiful. We had to finally turn this thing around between Barack Obama and Steph Curry. You know, yellow brothers finally got a chance to come back. But even in that, come on, we know... You know, we laughed about it, but we know Spike Lee didn't lie. The Jigaboos and the Wannabes. Even in families where genetics can give you a multitude of colors. There are too many stories of African-American children that were treated differently, even in their own families. And white people loose the lie that somehow if you were of lighter complexion, the closer you were to being white, you know, you were intellectually superior. You had a better time of making it in the culture. See, see and, and, and what, what we need to understand is that the current occupant of the White House, which was built by African slaves, I want you all to hear this, that the, the current occupant of the White House is the symptom, not the disease. See, the current occupant, number 45, uh, in the White House is like an ugly rash that has broken out on the body politic. Uh, he's like a viral disease. See, there are certain diseases that are viral that stay in your system. And only when you don't expect it, shingles is one that I could probably say openly, but there's some other sexually transmitted diseases that stay in your system and then they occasionally pop up, usually at the worst time. That's what 45 is. He's a viral disease that always reappears. He is not the only racist occupant of this office. And the disease is this. The disease is racism. I, I want to help somebody in here. Black people cannot be racist. And the reason for that is that racism is prejudice plus power. Now, black people can be prejudiced. There are black people who have racial prejudices, but they cannot be racist because we don't have the power. That racism is prejudice plus power. And it's not just racism, but it's placism. It's placism. Uh, 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 you got to know your place. Uh, the word that was used to describe it, and, 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 and we don't need to get all fidgety when we hear this word. It's, it's interesting that many of our, our white uh, persons in this country get so offended when they hear this word, but then they do all the things that are necessary to keep this word alive. Uh, placism is for uppity niggas. You know, uppity niggas like Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling NFL players are like socially conscious superstars. There has never been since Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown an American athlete of stature that has been as socially conscious as LeBron James. And, and, and the white power structure told him to shut up and dribble. Okay, I, I can't talk with you. 
Or maybe y'all to say amen to this, like our swagalicious 44th president. That No, but you like it, but they didn't like the way he walked. They didn't like the way he talked. Now, if he was white, he'd have charisma. He'd be, he'd be Kennedy-esque. Oh, y'all won't work with me. But because he was a black man, he was an uppity nigga. The rules didn't apply. Uh, 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 someone would stand up for the first time in American history in the State of the Union address and call the President of the United States a liar to his face. I'm telling you that this is what we have to deal with, not just racism, but placism. See, the genius of black Christianity is that it rejected a perverted gospel and it embraced three things. First, it embraced the liberation of slaves. This is, this is a miracle that is shrouded in antiquity. We can't explain how it happened, but how these, these non-literate people rejected what they were taught of the Christian faith and was used for the purpose of their social control. They rejected that and grabbed hold to the liberation passages of the Old Testament. They embraced the liberation of slaves. They found a God who sided with and set slaves free. And that's why they sang, oh Mary, don't you weep, oh Martha, don't you moan. No, here's the key part. Pharaoh's army got drowned in the Red Sea. They, they proclaimed the protection of minorities who resisted oppression in a majority culture. Didn't he deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and Daniel in the lion's den? And they embraced the exaltation of valleys over mountains. For every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain shall be brought low. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. See, the exaltation of valleys is good news for valleys, but bad news for mountains. That we, we must see America through the lens of our history. Uh, the second thing, we must see America through the lens of our experiences. And we have experiences that are both macro and micro. The macro experiences are chattel slavery, Jim Crow. Jim Crow is an interesting word. Jim Crow was a character in a minstrel show in blackface that, that toured uh, the South and was very popular and it, it attached itself to this creation of an American style of apartheid. Uh, some of you all are old enough to remember the remnants of it, black and colored restrooms, water fountains, places we could eat, could not eat, could not go. Uh, they're very, some people are very insulted is that the press secretary to the current occupant of uh, the White House was refused service uh, in a restaurant. Well, you, black people couldn't eat in places. We couldn't travel. Uh, the, the whole freedom riders that some of you all remember that were beaten and brutalized in the South was about traveling across state lines on publicly public transportation, 
on Greyhound and Trailways. Uh, Jim Crow enlisted for a hundred years apartheid. KKK terrorism, the thing that white people are so afraid of now and they will do anything to protect themselves from is terrorism. But black people ain't that moved by that because we've lived under terrorism always. If you lived in the South, the Klan would come in and burn you out and rape your females and take advantage in the dead of night as cowards would with masks on. The only folk who wore masks who weren't cowards were the Lone Ranger and Zorro. Everybody else, if you wear a mask, you got an agenda. Y'all not hearing me. I'm going to be out your way in a minute. Mass incarceration. Can't count the number. It has decimated the male population of our community. And it has put women into a position because men and women are going to get together. That the one thing a brother coming out of jail can get is a girlfriend. There's always a sister that'll help you get your life back together. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. But what does that brother have to offer? Because he's been incarcerated. You know how many black men are incarcerated simply because they could not make bail? And they are given radical, just the differences in the scenting guidelines between crack cocaine and powder cocaine. Powder cocaine was not available to those people who were on lower economic rungs. That, that, that powder cocaine was a more, oh, y'all not hearing me. I'm, a, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm saying these are the macro things. Uh, uh, chattel slavery, Jim Crow apartheid, KKK terrorism, mass incarceration, and police brutality, which is used to enforce white supremacy. That the police historically have been the enforcement arm of white supremacy. That is why it is white people, once again, I'm not talking about your friend, but that is why white people's first move when black folk get out of line is to call the cops. Whenever their supremacy is threatened, they call the police. And we have given our police the ability to be judge, jury, and executioner because they have the use of deadly force. But it doesn't have to be because you've committed a crime, you just might be at Starbucks. You might be a Yale graduate student who falls asleep in a common room. I can't count the number of times when I was at Yale that I fell asleep after studying or tired, fell asleep. But this black woman was sleeping there and somebody calls the cops. Black girl, eight years old on the street corner, selling water. Y'all don't watch the news. You know? She's selling water to raise money for a school project. And somebody sees a little black kid out there selling something, and they call the cops. Errol Garner killed for selling cigarettes for 50%. Choked out. Y'all not hearing me. Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown. Y'all won't talk with me. The, the brother, and I feel so bad I can't remember his name in Minneapolis, who, who carried a gun, a legal gun, with a legal permit, and told the police that he had a weapon, and that he was licensed to carry it, and they shot him dead in the car in front of his girlfriend. Where was the NRA? Where are his Second Amendment rights? Y'all won't talk with me. I'm, I'm going to sit down because I'm starting to get upset. Yeah. And y'all not upset enough. We have to deal with the macro things, chattel slavery, Jim Crow, KKK terrorism, mass incarceration, police brutality. But then the micro things, 
the daily insults on our dignity Amen. that we've had to endure, many of us, all of our lives. Black man riding in his car, pulled next to a white woman in her car. She locked her doors like you're going to stop your car and jump out of your car into her car. You get on an elevator. Black men particularly need to talk about this. I, 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 when I first moved out to Atascacita, when I don't think Kyra was even born, Lauren and Michael were small, I bought my first Mercedes-Benz. And uh, I had to, uh, I was so proud of that, I got my first Mercedes-Benz. I said I had a Mercedes-Benz. And I was living out in a very comfortable neighborhood where we were the only black people living out there. And uh, I had to go to the store because Donna didn't have diapers or something and I had to run out and I made the mistake. I put on a jogging suit, got in my car, dashed to the store, didn't take my wallet. And after I'd been driving for a while, yeah, you, you, you can be proud of that red, white, and blue until it's flashing in your rearview mirror. Pulled it up, a man pulled me over, asked me what I was doing in the neighborhood. I said, I live here. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah. This is 1987. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, I live out here. He said, well, give me some identification. Didn't have my wallet. I explained to him I was on my way to the grocery store right up here. He said, I forgot my wallet. I walked out. How are you going to buy some? I said, I would have been stuck because I thought I had my wallet with me. And uh, he said, get out the car got out the car, made me put my hands on the car, patted me down, said, we're going to take you in, impound your car. You don't have any ID. This is a very expensive car. Don't know whether it's yours or not. Car pulls up. White man rolls the window down. Officer, is there a problem over here? Now, this guy ain't got nothing to do. Now, you reverse the situation of me pulling up on a cop and asking him, is there, is there a problem here? He said, yeah, this guy here is driving this car. Done. He said, but I know him. That's Reverend Williams. He lives two doors from me. He said, hi, it's Jim. I said, hi, Jim. Yeah, he said, I'm an attorney. I live, you know, a couple of doors from Reverend Williams. He said, uh, uh, I know him. Now, once he identified me as being fully human, Okay. I, I can't believe, you, you, you can't be black in America and of a certain age and not have suffered indignities. Being followed through a store while you were shopping. Not followed through the store, met at the door. These young people, particularly millennials and even the, the generation after that, Justin's generation, they have no real understanding. That's why you're sitting next to somebody, your 92-year-old grandmother, who has lived this life and understands everything I'm talking about from experience, not reading it in a book somewhere, but have lived it. When you went to work today and you were, no matter what your age were, you were a gal or a boy, Y'all not hearing me. That's the reason we dress up. 
historically black people have dressed up on church on Sunday because for the week we were treated as if we were marginal and peripheral but on Sunday morning we could put on some clothes and be deacon somebody and trustee somebody and president of this and head of that these young people don't have any experience for that but these daily assaults on our dignity and here's the real frustrating problem there's too often a lack of understanding by most whites as to why we would even be offended why would that bother you everybody say our history our experiences but here's the last thing, and I'm out your way. Through the lens of the cross. We got to see America through the lens of our history. We can't just see it through our history and our experiences because then we'll stay mad all the time. If we see it only through the lens of our history and our experience, we won't have any hope because the cycle keeps returning. It seems like every time we think we've made progress, we honestly and naively believed we had turned a corner with the election of Barack Obama. We thought that America was finally going to live up to the true meaning of its creed. Dr. King went to Washington in that March in 1963 and said that America has given us a blank check and we want you to fill it out and sign it and give it to us because we're owed for what we've done. And many of us saw that the election of Barack Obama was America finally paying back on that NSF check that we as black folk have had to experience all the time. But you know what? What we have today, the current occupant of the office, is a direct response to the election of Barack Obama. It is, do we have any Star Wars fans in here? There's at least one or two, so when I give this example, this is the Empire Strikes Back. That's exactly what it is. That, that, that there were people who were not only offended and insulted, they thought that the election of Barack Obama was a fundamental betrayal of everything that this country is about. And in some ways they are true because this country was built on white supremacy. And here is the problem. I, I, I'm not talking about your friend. I'm not saying all white people because there are white people who have committed themselves to the liberation struggle and other white people kill them. When white people get with black people to support their agenda for liberation, they put their lives on the line. Now, I'm not talking about just conversation. The abolition, abolitionist Elijah Lovejoy was killed. William Lloyd Garrison was beat. Charles Sumner, some black folk in here went to a Sumner High School. Sumner High School, Charles Sumner was beat half to death on the floor of the United States Senate. The, 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 the civil rights workers that died, Shaney and, and Luozzo, and their names should be burned in our mind, that they've always been white people. John Brown, in every American history book, they will tell you that John Brown was crazy. Every, everything says the psychotic John Brown, the crazed John Brown. Every picture of John Brown, his eyes are bucked open and his hair all over his head because John Brown had to be crazy to say, let's get some guns and give them to these slaves and let them kill all these wicked slave masters. 
Y'all don't want to hear me. I can't just stay in my history. I can't just stay in my experiences because then I'm going to lose hope. I'm going to become so angry and on fire on the inside that I'm going to burn my own insides up. I got to have some hope. And when I need hope, I can't look to Washington. I can't look to Austin. I can't look to downtown City Hall. I got to look to Calvary. I got to find hope at the cross. The first thing that the cross says is that we got to have repentance. Didn't didn't God say this in Chronicles? That if you want me to heal your land, you have to turn from your wicked ways. Okay, we don't quote. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, next line, and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Cease your affliction and heal your land. Repentance, I don't need no apologies. I don't need any congressional resolutions that they're sorry for what they've done. You need to turn. Stop doing the stuff that you're doing. Not only with repentance, not only after repentance, we need reconciliation. But you can't have reconciliation in South Africa which suffered probably one of the most brutal forms of racial oppression in South African apartheid. That's where the word comes from, apartheid. Uh, In South Africa, when, when, when the fear that white people had in South Africa, white South Africans, Afrikaners, was that if there was a black majority, their fear was that black people would do to them what they did to the indigenous black population. That is why they fought so hard not to cede control and maintain minority control over a majority population. But a great man arose by the name of Nelson Mandela. And though he was in prison for 27 years, he did not allow his history and his experiences to incinerate his insides. Dr. King did not allow his bitterness and his anger to incinerate his insides. Gandhi did not allow his anger at his history and his experience to burn him up on the inside. But Nelson Mandela understood that you could not have reconciliation. Hear this very carefully. You cannot have reconciliation without truth and facts. And and in South Africa, they created truth commissions where before we can come back together, you got to openly say what you did. And we got too many white people in here acting like they haven't done anything. No, here's the next thing. I'm about to say something really important. They'll say, what does that have to do with me? Uh, Michael, I, I, I I never owned slaves. I'm not responsible for what my grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, why would you hold me responsible? Because you have benefited through white privilege. The oppression of black people, the economic exploitation of black people, who couldn't make it in here financially if, if you got a check every year, a full salary, and didn't have to go to work? 
Who, who, wait, wait, wait. How many of you all could be financially well, well off if you didn't have a house note or have to pay rent? A car note. Y'all not hearing me. No wonder white people got it going on because they had 300 years of free labor. Okay, I'm going to move on. Repentance. Reconciliation. But then the third thing is redemption. Repentance means you turn from your wicked ways. Reconciliation means you got to have truth and facts. The truth is about my attitude. The facts are about my actions. But then finally, to be redeemed is to be made whole. Anyone who supports a power structure that pushed Native Americans from their tribal homes and put them on reservations. The Native Americans, the Native Americans were pushed physically and militarily from the Atlantic seaboard to the Great Plains and put on reservations. The difference with Native Americans, they would not allow themselves to be enslaved. Secondly, secondly, they would not accept the gospel. Made kind of sense because they said white man speak with forked tongue. So if I can't believe him about his other stuff, well, I'm going to believe him about this. We accepted the gospel, which seemed like a ridiculous thing, but here is the, here is the cosmic irony. It saved us. Yeah, yeah, it's, it saved us. See, but they pushed them. The, the, the Native Americans opposed white people militarily. No, 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 no. I know y'all cheered when the Calvary showed up, but, but that ain't the whole history. You know, when, whenever the natives won a victory, it was a massacre. When the white military won, it was a great victory. And I know television messed y'all up, and I know y'all ain't done a lot of reading, and you won't look at that. And the American history that they served you up in school was a bunch of pablum nonsense, 90% lies to tell the truth about this country. Uh, we're, we're complaining today about Russia involving itself in the American election. And they see, the attitude is such as that America's stuff don't stink. Because the United States has been actively involved in undercutting, overthrowing, y'all not hearing what I'm saying, destabilizing, assassinating. Okay, I'm gonna I'm move on here. Y'all gonna make me end up, I'm gonna be like Jeremiah Wright, but that's all right. They, they, they pushed them militarily. Let me just talk about the Native Americans for a minute. Push them militarily. That's why the Native Americans, we applaud them for their courage and everything, but they can never understand the Buffalo soldiers. I'm talking about the, the Indians, the natives. They said, why are you fighting for them? Join with us and let us both get them. But we've always in this country had to be about the business of proving how loyal we are. Well, we don't have to prove anything. The Middle Passage proved it. The whips on the backs of black men and women, the rape of black women, the fact that in every war, whether we were responsible for it or not, black people have fought in it. From Crispus Attucks 
in Boston all the way down to soldiers that are serving now, men and women of color in Afghanistan and Iraq and in some places that we don't even know. That young, that young special forces man that was killed in Niger. Some of y'all can't even find Niger on the map. But he gave his life. And we got to stop feeling like we got to prove something. Our history means we don't have to prove anything. The stuff that we've taken in this country. I mean, you know, do you know that the, that the, the, the Black Panthers were identified by the FBI as a terrorist organization? Black Panthers ain't never killed nobody. They serve free lunches and carry... Don't you know that the gun laws change when Panthers start carrying guns? All of a sudden, white people got interested in gun control. Those of y'all who got guns, black folk in there, keep them. Don't give up your guns. Give up your guns when they give up their guns. Well, we're going to go back to the old wild west where everybody got a gun. Well, it worked, when, it worked as long as Wyatt Earp was the sheriff. Y'all saw Tombstone. Okay, y'all won't work with me. I'm going to get on out of here. I've been up too long. Everybody say repentance. repentance. You can't have reconciliation without truth and facts. They, 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 they forced the Native Americans onto reservation. They kidnapped and enslaved Africans. They placed Japanese Americans in concentration camps. The United States has lost most of its moral authority on a lot of issues. Uh, Yes, yes, I believe that everybody should not have nuclear bombs, but they are particularly concerned that people of color not have them. As if white people are the only ones who could control these weapons, but white people are the only ones who've ever used them. Call me prejudiced, call me what you want to. I do not see the United States of America dropping nuclear bombs on Berlin, Munich, Dresden, Nuremberg. Y'all ain't talking to me but they dropped them on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. When if Hitler had got a hold of one, he'd have dropped it on New York. Could found a way to do that. Placed Japanese Americans in concentration camps and now they have put the babies and children of Hispanic immigrants in cages. Anybody who can willfully, consciously support a system like that they themselves are deeply broken and in need of redemption. For our citizenship is in heaven. But Paul says, but we're awaiting a savior. I'm not talking pie in the sky. I'm not talking about avoidance from involvement in public participation. I think we ought to vote. I think we ought to be active in those issues that are about justice and righteousness, but I'm telling you point blank. There is no agenda difference fun fundamentally between any of these political parties. They all have the same agenda, which is the acquisition of power. There's nothing wrong with power, it's what you do with it. We should stand where the cross stands. I, I, I wasted a lot of my years getting involved in stuff and being in things where I should have been focused on the main thing. If we are Christians, the world should see us differently. 
and our agenda, that we can't afford. And I tell preachers this, and I, I, I avoided it in, in many ways, and, and it limited my connection with that world. But you can't be a payroll prophet. Uh, uh, the story is told, and I got to get out of here, but the story is told about the king of Israel and the king of Judah. They were about to go to war. The king of Israel said, we need to go to war. The king of Judah said, well, let's think about that. He said, no, we need to go to war. And he said, well, is there a, a prophet that we can talk to? Can, can we hear from a prophet? And you know, what, you know what the king of Israel said? I got 450 prophets. Which one you want? I call them payroll prophets. I got prophets on the payroll. And this is what the king of, 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 of Judah asked. Is there a prophet of the Lord that we might inquire of? And that's what we need to have. Men and women, not just me in a pulpit, but you every day who are standing for the principles of the kingdom of God. I don't know. I can't prove it. I don't know whether Jesus would have sat down and had lunch with Pilate. I don't know whether he would have had dinner with Herod. I don't know whether he would have sat down with Caiaphas, who was the high priest. I do know that Jesus avoided that crowd deliberately. And listen to this. When he was resurrected in his glorious power, because he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. When he showed himself, he did not show himself to any of that crowd. He showed himself to those that he was in relationship with. He didn't go to Pilate's house. He didn't go to Herod's palace. He didn't go to any of those places. And we cannot afford to sell ourselves to those people whose primary agenda is the acquisition of power. We must be committed to repentance, to reconciliation, and to redemption because that is the way of the cross. The only thing that will heal this country is the living presence of Jesus Christ proclaimed by those who are in relationship with him and lived by those who have been, who have been, who have been redeemed and whose, as the scripture says, their robes have been washed in the blood of the lamb. That's the only way to do it. Don't get all up in your history. Don't get all up in your experiences Let's look ultimately at this through the lens of the cross. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, it is our prayer that you will heal our country, heal our nation. Our nation is sick. It's been sick a long time. It's been sick a long time, Lord. And patriotism, flags, and anthems are not the issue. The issue is that there is a disease of sin that exists in this nation. Lord, we pray right now that you will bless and keep. There are good things about America. There are praying people about America. There's a church in America uh, of worshipers and believers. Uh, not identified by any denomination, by any skin color, but they accept you as Lord and Savior. You would save Sodom and Gomorrah for one righteous man. There are righteous men and women all throughout this nation who love your appearing. And so we ask you, Lord, for the sake of those and for the sake of the sacrifices of our ancestors, that you will strengthen us and protect us. Raise up leaders, O oh God, of integrity, of honor, 
And we give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, would you?